0: The story.
1: I bought the house from the inheritance from when my dad passed away. And so I was in this house and I was delving into a bit of witchcraft and talking to spirits and stuff like that. And I wanted to talk to my dad and get answers as well. I wanted to know why he would want to drink himself to death. And so I didn't know my father. All I knew of him was that he was a drunk.
0: G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. Well, last time we heard Joseph Byro share his amazing story. He's the ex-lead singer of the Melbourne hard rock band Superheist. Heist, who was heading toward rock stardom when his life went off the rails due to an addiction. He then went to a Christian drug rehab centre and put his faith in the Lord. Today, Joseph's wife, Nicole, joins us, and unfortunately, she's had her own struggles with drug use after growing up with an alcoholic father. We'll hear her journey to freedom as she has a chat with Eric Scatterbo and her husband, Joseph, in our Melbourne studios. Welcome back to the program, Joseph Byrow. Thanks, Eric.
2: Thanks for having me. Glad to have you back. And when we did have you on the program last time, you shared that there was something exciting that was about to happen in your life. What was that? Well, it
3: was actually getting married and, That's right. uh, to beautiful Nicole Biro, who's here with us today. That's right. Welcome to the program, Nicole Biro.
1: Hey, Eric. How are you? Getting
3: used to the
2: new Yeah, I know.
1: It's a little bit strange, actually.
2: Well, it's great to have you with us. And we're going Thank to you. find out how the two of you met yeah, sure. the Joseph and Nicole story. But before we get to that, we're going to find out your story, because... Well, the Lord has been working in your life. Is that right?
1: Yeah, massively, huge. Um, My life is in absolute contrast to what it was. Um, So, yeah.
2: Okay, well, let's go all the way back to the beginning.
1: Growing up with a a single mum and a father that was an alcoholic was um, quite difficult. So a lot of my my teenagehood and adulthood became um, quite affected by that. Um, How
2: did it make you feel? What was your relationship with your father?
1: Uh, n- not much of a relationship. Um, basically he he was always drunk all the time all the time, all wow. the time drunk yeah um and when when he was drunk, he was um quite arrogant, quite nasty, and um abusive to my mum, mm-hmm. which was kind of scary to see. but that only lasted till I was about seven and they split up. And then the relationship I had with my dad after my parents split up was, he was he would pick me up and um, I'd spend the weekend with him.
2: Okay, so obviously you were living with your mother.
1: Yes, I was living with my mother. Yeah.
2: And what impact did that have on you? How how were you feeling?
1: Um, well, I guess confused as a kid. You know, um, there was no support, and my mum was doing really doing it really tough. Mm. So she was working really hard, and us kids were going to school, and you know, eating bread for dinner. So, oh wow, well. yeah, it was. Um, it wasn't. It wasn't easy, and you know, she had to pay for the roof over our heads.
2: Where were you living at that time?
1: Um, so we, we, my dad and my mum built a really big house, and then uh, when they divorced, my dad was, he didn't want to give anything up, so we rented houses in the same area in Roval.
2: Oh, in the Melbourne area? Yeah, in the
1: mm-hmm. Melbourne area, yeah. But on the weekends um, when I did stay with my dad, on the way back when he was taking me home, he would literally pull out of his driveway and pull over like two doors down and skull a bottle of Johnny Walker, a litre bottle of Johnny Walker, and then continue to drive me home. So oh, he, wow, that's scary. Yeah, it, so it was basically um, alcohol was just had to be in his bloodline that's the only way he could really survive and so um, and you're in the
2: car yeah with him.
1: yeah 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 so it was really scary but that didn't last for long he just really lost interest after a while and
2: and being a father
1: yeah as i got a bit older in high school there was a time where our school sort of got evacuated and the teachers called the the parents, and um, they couldn't get in contact with my mum, so they called my dad. And literally, um, I don't know why, but the teacher actually informed me that my dad said that he didn't have a daughter. Wow. Um, because he was so incoherent with because of alcohol. Yeah, he was just, he was lost. And I guess my main thing... That
2: had to really cut to the yeah, core.
1: I think the question as a kid... I had for him was um why, like mm-hmm. why would you want to drink yourself that silly? you know, and he was drinking so much to the point where he would have fits and mum would find him in a pool of blood, and wow, you know, and that was back when he was you know when they were together,
2: mm. and how was your life going through the high school years?
1: um, not the best, I was rebellious to say the least, like not super bad, but I was like smoking and drinking. And Getting into
2: the party lifestyle, yeah, definitely.
1: Um, I was probably about thirteen or fourteen, where I went to my first rave and had speed. What, what
2: is a rave?
1: A dance party.
2: Okay, so yeah. a lot of dancing. So a lot of dancing, drugs. a lot
1: of drugs. Yeah. Okay. Um, but you like that kind of thing? Yeah, because I felt like I belonged somewhere.
3: Hmm.
1: Because you know, I didn't belong with my father. I didn't. My mother was doing working to, a lot. Yeah, working a yeah. lot. Yeah, so. It was exciting and new and and different. I got obsessed over it, really yeah wow. yeah i um, I loved the music and I loved just what it brought to my table, so yeah,
2: so you got deeper and deeper into that,
1: mm-hmm I through see. the high school years, yeah, so it became I tried speed and then I started marijuana, and so marijuana was the thing that I could get my hands on um quite easily, so I did that for a while. And obviously smoking cigarettes and, and alcohol and just getting involved with, with kids that just would l- like to run amok. Hmm.
2: Then what was the next major part of your life?
1: Uh, well, I, I guess that went on for a fair while. And then I met um, my son's father at a pub and we just obviously got along and we moved in with each other quite early. In our relationship and about I think two and a half years into the relationship I fell pregnant and um, at five months pregnant I actually left him because our relationship wasn't going in in the right direction it was so suddenly
2: a- you're on your own and you're pregnant
1: yeah yeah I
2: mean that's kind of the bottom line yeah, yeah at 23 it
1: was- yeah it was really tough really tough um, but I just, um, I guess I didn't, I didn't feel love from him, and so I actually felt that Max was um, my son, my baby in my tummy. He was, um, he wasn't coping either, and so I decided that I should leave, and so I did. Leave back, the father. Leave the father. Yeah, yeah. So I moved back home with my mum and my brother, and they were my support.
2: So now you're a mother. Yeah. But as you said earlier, you were involved in drugs. Mm. But drugs and being a parent don't yeah. go together. How did that work out?
1: Uh, so I stopped taking drugs, obviously, at this stage. And it was, um, you know, there was a good stint where I didn't do drugs because obviously I have a beautiful baby. and mm-hmm. But then as Max got a little bit older, I returned to part-time work. And Max was um, back in childcare from early hours of the morning to late because of distance from work and so forth. Um, so childcare was quite prominent in his early life. Um, anyways, I was working more and more and more.
2: So you're being responsible. Uh, yeah. You're now a parent. You're providing yep. for your child.
1: Yeah. So a little
2: more maturity in your life, it yeah,
1: sounds like. Yeah, a little bit, somewhat. And then shortly after, I was working a lot more... Um, Max's dad actually hurt his back at work Mm -hmm. and um, shortly after that I got a promotion at work and so the most logical thing was for for Max to go live with his father Mm -hmm. and and actually have a relationship with his dad, Mm -hmm. not just on weekends, but yeah, just have more of a relationship. So we we decided that that's what should happen and um, so I continued to work. I worked really hard and... um, I guess after a while, the more I worked, the harder I, I played as well. So work hard, play hard. Was party sort of, hard? Yeah, party hard. <laughs> yeah. And so that got me back into drinking and back into drugs. Mm-hmm. But this time it wasn't just speed or marijuana. It got to the point where it was ice. Mm. And managing ice and, and working and a and son was was not healthy at all. Yeah,
2: I don't even know how somebody mm. can do that. I mean, mm. Ice takes over your whole life.
1: Yeah, it certainly does.
2: Did it take over yours?
1: Well, then I stopped again. Mm. Yeah, and then, so it was on and off for years. It was like, I'd do well, and then I'd go back on it again. and So it was back and forth. Mm. But my, I guess my last stint of, of drugs, by this stage I had bought a house with my mum, but So, so there was years of on and off drug abuse. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, I bought the house from the inheritance from when my dad passed away. And so, I was in this house and I was delving into a bit of witchcraft. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, a bit of mediumship and, and talking to spirits and stuff like that. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so, also, I was... Why
2: do you think you got into all that?
1: I was searching. Hmm. Definitely, I was searching for... Um, well, not only that, I wanted to talk to my dad and get answers as well.
2: Oh, wow. So there was something deep inside of you Yeah That still wanted some kind of a connection to your earthly father
1: Yeah, definitely Definitely mm-hmm. I wanted to know why he would want to drink himself so silly
2: Drink himself to death, literally yeah, to
1: death He did yeah, yeah To death And so it's like, I guess uh, I don't want to compare myself to an orphan But an orphan doesn't know its parents mm. And so I didn't know my father
3: mm-hmm.
1: All I knew of him was that he was a drunk Mm-hmm So, you know, you want to know your identity, Mm -hmm. I guess, in that respect. So So, you are searching? Yeah, I was searching and also doing ice. And so it got really messy.
0: You're listening to The Story. Today, Eric Scadabo is chatting with Nicole Byro, the wife of our guest last time, former rock star Joseph Byro. Nicole sharing her story and unfortunately as we're hearing her life was spiraling downward and out of control. Next we'll find out how it all turns around when we return. The Story If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME That's 1-800-772-936 It's a free call or text 0401 Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax and this is The Story. We're continuing with Eric Scadabo chatting with Nicole Byro. She's the wife of our guest last time, Joseph Byro, the ex-lead singer of the Melbourne hard rock band Superheist. We heard his story and how he was on top of the world as a rock star when he lost everything due to drugs and the party lifestyle. Fortunately, he went to a drug rehab centre, put his faith in the Lord, and is now a Bible teacher. But before we find out how Nicole and Joseph meet, we need to pick up from where we were in Nicole's story. Before the break, we heard how her life was spiralling downward and out of control. And sadly, it got worse before it finally got better.
1: Anyways, we got to a point where my my family... Jerried on and they they realized that I, I wasn't well at all and so they had an intervention they confronted me but not only that my mum had found some drugs in in my house so they had hard evidence and i was acting strange and um you know i wasn't going in a, in a good direction
2: so you you mentioned an intervention that yes. kind of means that they got together and said hey yeah we know what's up you yeah. have a problem
1: yeah is which that kind was, of the gist of it Definitely. Um, So I came home from work one day and my mum's there and my brother. And soon after that, um, my mum's partner at the time came and then my sister-in-law. And I was like, whoa, what's going on? So they sat me down and they're like, Nicole, you've got a problem. And I'm like completely on the defence because I was high. And I'm like, no, I don't. What are you talking about? Denying everything when it was quite, quite evident and obvious. And because um, I was high, I turned into an ice rage, and it got a bit violent and, and crazy. And um, mm. my brother tried to hold me down, and and he couldn't because wow. of of the ice. Yeah, it's that
2: so, powerful. Wow. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I physically, like, I removed myself. I ran away, and it was so crazy like I'd ran away I was like 29 years old and I'm running away from my family like a like a
2: from your own home
1: from my own home that you own yeah yep and I ran down the street and I ran to someone else's house and you know I was I was the victim in your mind in my mind I was the victim and um,
2: they're all wrong
1: yeah yeah and I was playing off a complete different story that in they were mind. the ones in the wrong, and and I was the victim, yeah.
2: So how did you finally get to the point of <sighs> reaching rock bottom and this story changing?
1: Yeah, right. So my mum had taken over my house. So she, don't forget, she's partly owner of this house, mm-hmm. so she had the right to mm-hmm. be there. Yep. And so I contacted an old friend. Yeah, he took me in. But in the meantime, I, I got so dark and hurt because I was such a victim from my, my family like coming against me. Um, I cried out to God because at this stage I was in the gutter I had nothing. Hmm. I had no support, no, no no nothing and I cried out to God and um, I was sitting in my car and I had no soul and um, I was just so broken.
2: What do you mean by that? You had no soul?
1: I don't know how to describe it to you. It's it's complete utter emptiness.
2: Mm.
1: It's like the wind could blow through me, you know, and it mm. I, I don't know how to describe it, but it was like I knew that the situation I was in, I should have felt a lot more pain, but I was just so hollow. Numb. Numb, hollow. Yeah, the wind could blow through me. Um, I was just empty, complete empty, and I had nothing. And I think the only thing that was left in me said, this is wrong. And I cried out to God, and I said, why? Why am I going through this? Why? Help me, Lord. And um,
2: Did you have any type of...
1: Well, I'd been doing meetingship and and, oh, okay. and all that sort of stuff. So you knew
2: about good and evil and that I guess there um, was a spiritual dimension to life?
1: Yeah, I was brought up on a minute scale. So I had a, a little bit of an understanding of, of a faith. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had a whim of it. So.
2: so you called out to him?
1: Yeah, I called out to him and it was like I was sitting there like a, as a skeleton, no soul, nothing. And um, I guess... I felt him say, "Okay, well, if this is where you're at, let's go forward." And so, from that point, I stopped taking drugs, but I hit the alcohol really heavily. And living with this guy and and just a really toxic relationship was really really messy.
2: So things actually got worse before they got better. It did
1: get worse. Like he he pushed me, and I broke the a guy that you were living her. with. Yeah. Yeah. So, broke on your Christmas, collarbone. Yeah. On Christmas Day, we were drinking and he pushed me and he uh, broke my collarbone. Wow. And um, that'll get your attention. That did get my attention. Yeah. And so I'm like, ah, oh, I'm actually worth more than this. And um, I decided to leave. And then the next minute, I'm with a friend that actually is a mutual friend between Joseph and I. I didn't know at the time. Um, she took me in and she goes, Nicole, you got to do something. You, you look horrible. You're not going in the right way. And um, so I contacted my family. I reconciled with my family. And they said, okay, um, you want to come back? Come back. But before you come back, we're going to um, church. And I said, okay, whatever. Just I need to get out of here. I need to, to go forward in life. And so we went to to Rima, Australia on New Year's Eve and I saw a different world and I met my my husband there.
2: So that's where you come into the story, Joseph?
3: (laughs) Yeah, that's where I come in. Um, If I can just ask a question, um, when you heard the Word of God, how did you feel? What was it that actually brought you to the feet of Jesus?
1: Oh... Um, I guess his heart for me, yeah, he, um, he responded and so that means that I'm something to him, yeah, I'm worth something.
3: And how did that make you feel?
1: I guess like a child again, you know, so it's feeling accepted and and wanted and, and, yeah, loved. and loved, definitely.
2: And that you have a father.
1: Yeah, yeah, I do. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> the best one ever.
2: <laughs> You're not making it easy on me. <laughs> <laughs> and then eventually,
1: I have an identity.
2: And then the seed began to grow in mm. your heart.
1: Yeah. Yeah, certainly
2: did. Well, Joseph, when you met her, what were you thinking?
3: Um, When I met Nicole, I saw such a beauty and a brokenness in her, and I could definitely resonate with that, being in that space. So I was instantly attracted to her. But I didn't pursue anything with Nicole. Um, I was pursuing Christ, and all I wanted was Jesus. I didn't want anything else. Yeah, so when I met her, um, we got along really well, and um, we shared... Some time and I shared my experience with Nicole. So, mm. getting back to you, Nicole, mm-hmm. the seed is
2: planted in your heart. Yeah. You started to grow.
1: Yes. Yeah, so um, I continued to go to Rima on Sundays for the church meetings um, with my brother originally, like with my brother and sister in law. And then it got to a stage where they no longer went and I continued. And so I would go to church on a Sunday and then I'd go home and I'd like read my Bible. And I got to the point where my mum's like, Nicole, you're spending too much time in your room reading the Bible. Oh, wow. Yeah, so, um, but, you know, that's what's got me through. Um, you know, I was leaning leaning on him and pressing into the Word, and, you know, it was it was that that saved me from temptation mm-hmm. and thinking about drug use.
2: Did you go to a formal drug rehabilitation no, program? No, no,
1: no, no, no. So by this stage, I'd... I'd Gotten sober, mm-hmm.
2: so you um, kind of quit drugs yeah. cold turkey.
1: Yes, yeah. yeah, and just
2: prayed to God. Yeah, and read your Bible. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. So that's how powerful He is.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Amen. Um, yeah. And then
2: eventually, the two of you become a couple.
1: Yeah. So after yeah. a little while, not not straight away.
3: So I left Fremantle, and then a couple months later, I believe Nicole contacted me via messenger. And it was like, remember me? And I'm like, yes, let's catch up. And the next thing we're, you know, we're... um
2: So you remembered her.
3: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I really wanted to pursue her, but I didn't do it because I didn't feel like it was the right thing to do. I felt like it was... Because she was a baby Christian. Yeah, well, that too. But also, I just, my eyes were on Christ, you know. Mm -hmm. My heart was all his and I didn't feel like I had any room for anyone else at that time. But now that time had passed. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, I, I definitely felt Nicole was um, an answered prayer, a, a desire of my heart, you know, to have a good woman that feared God and loved God, and I could walk with for the rest of my life, you know.
1: Now we're married,
3: mm. amen. <laughs> so you're
2: married, but more than that,
1: yeah,
2: you're involved in ministry together.
1: Yes, tell yeah. us about that. Yeah, right. Um, so it's intense. It's awesome. It's um, I don't know what to say, but it's it's such a blessing. Like. The Lord's blessed us with a ministry first mm-hmm. of all, and, um, and what do you do? Um, so we are involved in Elijah Care, uh, which is an awesome ministry involving people that have got have had addiction or alcohol or just struggling in life, and mm-hmm. so we just we just want to stand by them and walk beside them and and be be a helping hand in in any way that we can. Be a family, a community, and um, you know just love on them. That's, it's going well Yeah, yeah Well
2: yeah. And my wife and I had the pleasure of uh, Meeting you and Joseph At the community there For yes. a party that was there A celebration And got to hear some of the wonderful testimonies Of lives that are being changed yes. Because of Elijah Care And now the two of you As you mentioned Are serving the Lord And helping others Who have gone through similar circumstances Thank you so much for sharing your story with us today
1: Pleasure It's been awesome Thank you Eric
2: Thank you Joseph for coming back problem. but that's not all there's more next time Joseph's mother Lizzie is going to share her story because she has a whole journey that she went on as a mother of somebody who was a drug addict so if you are a parent of somebody who is involved in drugs and you might think it's a hopeless situation Lizzie will share her story from a mother's perspective so that's coming up next time
0: Well, as Eric just said, there's more to the story. And we're going to hear Joseph's mother share her story next time. Meanwhile, I just love hearing how God touches one life, and then that life touches another life, and then another, and then another. Spreading the love of Jesus throughout families and communities. It's fantastic. However, the reverse is unfortunately true as well. That is, if the devil has someone ensnared in an addiction, and behaving in violent and destructive ways, that can spread like poison through a family and a community as well. Next time, Joseph's mother, Lizzie, will share some of the horrors of just what it was like for her in the midst of her son's addiction and radical behaviour. But we will also hear how Lizzie and her son's relationship has been healed in a miraculous way. So if you or someone you know has a loved one dealing with an addiction and they may feel like the situation is hopeless, we invite you to hear a story of hope from a mother's perspective. That's next time when Lizzie Byrow will share her story. Until then, I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with someone today. Next time on The Story. I reflect on all you said, Mum.
3: I am who I am today because you fought and you never gave up and you raised the fighter. I jumped in the ring with a life that would nearly destroy me, but your love won me over. I love you, my amazing mother. I'm very grateful for you. And P.S., you are still spunky, as.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Lizzie Byro was happy to see her son was achieving success using his talent as a singer in an up-and-coming rock band. However, her heart began to sink when she realised his life was spiralling out of control due to drugs and a party lifestyle. Lizzie will share from a mother's perspective a story of hope for parents of children struggling with an addiction. That's coming up next time. The Story, story. just another way vision is connecting faith to life. This program is a production of Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, see vision.org.au.